in Bethlehem is that we receive in him the gift of joy. It's something we don't see much of in our world, do we? And if it is seen, it is often just a fleeting kind of joy. But John, as he writes these things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the one he has seen and known, he says now in verse 4, And these things we write to you. This is one of the purposes that I want to write to you, is that your joy may be full. Some of your text uh, translations may have, our joy may be full. And either way, they're both the same. John is writing so that their joy would be full and their joy, uh, his reader's joy would be full. But one of the things that Christ communicates to his people is the gift of joy. When we think about the history of mankind as we look at the Bible and it gives us the story of where we came from, we recognize that when God created man, placed him in a garden, he placed him in a beautiful place, and he knew fellowship with God, and he created him there upright to be holy and to be happy, to be holy and to be happy. As a result of sin, as Adam and Eve turned away from their God, the source of all joy and good, When they turned away, man became sinful and miserable. Sinful and miserable. That's the world we live in, isn't it? But flowing from Bethlehem, the story of Christ is the leading to a new life, a restored life that was lost with the greatest and the best of all beings, God himself. And in that union is a stream of unending joy. As we think about joy, joy in this world, the joys that are known are often fleeting. Um, As those living east of Eden, we often seek our joy in all the wrong places. And that joy that we seek can never ultimately be, bring ultimate satisfaction to us. Even in lawful things, even lawful things, they lose Ultimately, uh, they can't fulfill us. I remember when I was a little boy, I got a BB gun. That was what I wanted. The one thing I wanted was a BB gun. I got it. And I thought, I'll be happy the rest of my life. Well, it wasn't true. It couldn't ultimately satisfy me. And even as we think about sinful pleasures, Hebrews 11 says that sin has its pleasures, but they are passing pleasures, passing pleasures. They're wrong, but they ultimately don't satisfy either. And Paul says the wages of sin is always death. It promises many things, but it ultimately leads to death. John wants the church to know, he wants us to know that this one, born of Mary, born in Bethlehem, the one whom I heard and saw and was with, he has come so that we might have not just joy, but I want your joy to be full, John says, I want you to know full joy, and Jesus is the source of that joy. It's his birth that secures this joy, his ministry, his life secures for us everlasting joy. Joy in this life, this present life, such that Paul could say that we are to rejoice, how long? Rejoice in the Lord, what's the next word? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Even in a fallen world, even where 
we go through some hard and difficult things, the Bible says to God's people, we have reason to rejoice. We have a reason to rejoice, to have joy, even when we are crying. Paul talked about the hardships that he went through, but we're not despairing, we're rejoicing. And so this is something that we know in this life. A spirit has been given to us, and the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and peace. So the spirit is at work to communicate to us this joy that we may know it more and more in our lives. But as believers, we have an eschatological hope, an eschatological joy. There's going to come a day when there will no longer be joy that will be intermixed with sorrows and crying and difficulties. We are looking forward forward to a day where David describes it, in thy presence there is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This is something, again, that Christ has won for us. And he said to his disciples, you're going to have sorrow now because I'm going to go to the cross. You're going to have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy, no one will take it from you. No one's going to take this away from you. So John, as he's writing this, he wants to buoy up their hope and their joy in the Lord. Paul was one who did this. As he wrote to the Corinthians, he says, We don't seek dominion over your faith. We are fellow workers for your joy. I love that statement. Paul says, We're a fellow worker with you for your joy. That's what we want for you. That's what we want you to know. And so, John, I want you to know this fullness of joy that is in Jesus Christ. This is the will of God for us, isn't it? Aren't you thankful that God has purposed in this salvation in his son that we would know joy, fullness of joy, ultimate joy, an unending joy? This is God's plan for his people, that they would be people who know joy and would have reason, solid reasons for this joy. And again, where does this come from? It comes from the gospel. It comes from Jesus Christ, as Paul has been explaining in verses 2 and 3. So we often sing this hymn, Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss, joy, joy. Jesus Christ was born for this. He hath opened the heavenly door, and man is blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Brothers and sisters, in this fallen, broken world where we have been separated from the joy giver, he who is the greatest and the best of all beings, Christ has brought about reconciliation and he has restored to us the source of unending joy. Christ has come for this, that we may know full joy. I'm going to ask Dave to come now, and we're going to sing a well-known hymn, Joy to the World. In your hymnals, please turn to number 125, and let's sing that together. Would you stand with me? Joy.